Uh, if you got your notes, you can turn there to uh, uh, our Bible study. If you brought your Bible or your electronic phone or your electronic Bible, Genesis uh, chapter 11. And this, this, this evening, we're going to, Lord willing, look at verses 1 through 9, which you read it through. It's, it's, it's a pretty short passage, but boy, I'll tell you, there's so much here. Uh, we're going to look at an event that happened about 4,200 years ago that is lining up to happen really again. Uh, not exactly the same, but very much the same, uh, very much of the same pattern, uh, except uh, this time things won't end as graciously as uh, the end of the first time, and entitled the message tonight, Babel 1.0 and Babel 2.0. And uh, I'll read the text here uh, in a second, but we're going to see this is about 100 years after the flood. Uh, men began to multiply really through Noah's sons. Uh, nations already began to be formed, and people groups already began to be formed. And God had told mankind to go on a scatter, to multiply to fill the earth, to subdue it. It was the same command that he had given to Adam and Eve there. Uh, you know what? Uh, when, when he created them uh, back, be, you know what, in, in, in Genesis 1. And, um, but listen, man didn't want to do that. And instead of going out and trusting a God, they gathered together. And we're going to see that they began to build a tower. And it was uh, done to make a name for themselves it was done as a uh, as a uh, uh, an idolatrous worship uh, building. They would worship and so forth. It was done with an idea that they could escape the judgment of God, that they could escape any future floods, and done with the idea that they were going to, you know, what resist God and defeat God. And I think probably most of you are familiar with the account. If you're not, we'll read it here in a second and go through it. We know God came down and He wasn't approving of their rebellion because it was mass rebellion and uh he scattered their language or he he confused their languages a new word was birthed you know to be a babbler and uh he 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 spread them out and uh we know the day we're living in we are rapidly headed towards a uh as similar as back then a one world economy a one world uh, uh government a one world religion and really the language barrier is just just more or less completely gone and it's an act of rebellion as well. Men coming together and the, the, the purpose in doing that. Uh, it's not to, to be followers of the Lord, but once again, men wanting to make a name for themselves. Wanting to resist God. It's humanism back then. It's humanism today. And as we've been looking at this last year in our study in Matthew 24 and in Daniel, we know how this ends with, again, the Lord coming down. And pretty much everywhere in the scripture, or most places in the scripture, when it talks about God coming down, um, you know, it, generally there's some judgment that comes with that outside of Jesus coming down to save us from our sins. Praise God for that. If that wasn't the case, we'd all be in trouble. So as we go through this tonight, we'll be talking about, again, what happened then. And we're going to see how these things foreshadow things going on already in the world and things that are going to happen in the near future and uh, we'll be referring to some passages in Revelation, and uh, Lord willing, we'll start that book in a few weeks. And this is just kind of, uh, you know what, laying some groundwork for that, as well as uh, just a lot of insights and even, you know, personal uh, exhortations and things for us to glean from as well. So uh, that's just a little bit, you know, kind of laying some foundation for, for our study. Let's read uh, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. And then again, we'll just begin to build this more and so forth. So it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make, make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, a tower, whose top is in the heavens, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the son of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they, have all, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language 
that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So go back to the, the, to the beginning. We know, again, God created man. He told man to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Uh, you know, and he had told them not to eat from the tree of the garden of, of, of uh, you know, good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. We know how the account goes. Man rebelled against God. Listen to the serpent who villainized God. God knows you won't die the day you eat of it. You'll be like God. Man ate of that. Uh, man fell. And really rebellion started. And there before the flood, we read of, you know, a God coming to the point where eventually he was sorrowful that he made man because men got so rebellious and so resistant against him. It says their thoughts were continually upon evil. And on top of that, there were all kinds of things going on genetically and so forth. As after man fell, God had given a promise that through the seed of the woman, a savior would come. Speaking of Christ who would eventually come, you know, as the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary. And we begin to see all this uh, you know, a supernatural uh, uh, rebellion as well with angels uh, coming down and taking uh, uh, women as wives to really pollute that seed. And uh, this stuff's all biblical. This blows some people away, but it's all scriptural and it's all even found in archaeology and so forth. Um, and the effort in that was to try to snuff out the seed so the Savior couldn't come. And so eventually we know that the Lord did a reboot. Uh, he told Noah that a flood was going to come, that he was going to destroy the earth and, again, reboot things. And we saw Noah move in faith in building that ark. And, indeed, God doing what he said he was going to do, flooded the earth. And uh, all but those on the boat there with Noah, along with two of every kind and seven of every uh, seven kind of every uh, uh, or, or seven pairs of every kind of every clean animal, they, they came through that flood. And then again, once they landed there, God basically in this reboot gave the same command that he had given to Adam and Eve, you know what, right from the beginning. Notice Genesis 9.1, it says, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And this is a key to understanding, again, the depth of the rebellion here in Genesis 11. That's the first command they were given when they got off the boat, I want you to go have kids. I want you to multiply. And I want you to go out and fill up the earth. I don't want you all coming together on the plain of Shinar and building some tower thinking you're going to go up here and defeat God or so forth. God didn't want them doing that. And again, the question should be asked, um, why did he want him to go, them to go spread out? Uh, multiple reasons. Again, what I just alluded to, which we'll come back to here in a second. But you got to understand, and this goes against so many voices today that are, are anti-Christ, whether they know it or not. Um, listen, the earth was created for man. <laughs> Man's not a mistake here. Man's not a plague here. This idea there's too many people on the earth, we need to get rid of them because man's a plague and we're going to worship the earth is completely satanic, and it is antichrist to the core. And yet we see it being pushed at so many places and on so many levels. Listen, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be good stewards of the earth. We absolutely should. And in fact, generally, if you're a good steward of finances, as God has called us to, you're going to be a good steward as well uh, of the earth. And I've pointed out the examples many times, even you know, as, as a fellowship over the years. You know, that building right there, uh, that's a recycled building that we bought for $3,500 about 12 years ago. That, someone would say, boy, you guys are great environmentalists in saving that building. It was only four years old, and the school district that had it had a rule, you can only have them for four years. I mean, your tax dollars at great work. I mean, the thing was like brand new. But still, it's a recycled building for $3,500. Man, so many kids have learned about Jesus in that building. So many kids have prayed to receive the Lord in that building. And I'll tell you at the time, Man, we couldn't even rub two nickels together as a church 
We scrounged up the money for that thing, and a bunch of people came out with tractors and so forth. The next thing you know, we had a, a, a children's ministry building there and so forth. But generally, again, good stewardship. I mean, you're foolish if you're throwing away your cans and bottles that can be recycled like we do over here at the church. And, and that goes to buy food, to feed people, to share the gospel when, when you know what, we, we give them food and clothing and so forth. And generally that goes together, and that's a good thing. I mean, we should take care of the things that God has given to us, amen? But this idea of worshiping the earth, and this idea of depopulating the earth, and boy, there's a lot of things going on that seem to point to people in high places wanting to depopulate the earth. I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to go on a rant from there, because I could. But listen, the bottom line is that God created the world for man, are you ready for this, to have dominion over it, to rule over it. Notice Genesis 1.26, then God said to him, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created a male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Again, what he told them then is what he told them again when they got off the boat there. Then God, uh, and then he says, uh, fill the earth to do it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God had created the earth for man, and he says, listen, go out and fill the earth and subdue it. This is here for you. And again, in what we do here, we want to do it to the glory of God, like we were reminded Sunday all that we do, we should do it heartily unto the Lord. But God wanted to see the earth again taken over. He, want, he, he didn't make men and women for them not to have kids and multiply. He said, I want you to have kids. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill this whole earth with people so you can enjoy this world that I have created for you to have dominion over. But again, they're at Babel. Instead of yielding to God and going over to, again, um, to, to, to rule over creation, rebellious man gravitated really to worshiping creation. In this case, they gravitated really to worshiping mankind and humanism. Because Babel 2. or 1.0 is an act of, of, of humanism. Instead of us going out again, and worshiping God in obeying God. Listen, if you're a worship, worshipers of God, obey God. They don't just sing on a stage and then go do what they want to do. They obey the Lord. And instead of doing that, they decided to begin to worship really one another as God. And I don't want to get ahead of myself in this. Really saying if we all come together, you know what? We're going to be better off. We're going to be able to look out for one another. We, we don't need God. We got one another, and we got our guy Nimrod. And whenever a guy Nimrod's leading the charge, you know, we're in big trouble. And we know, though, again, the Bible speaks of this happening again. And I won't read the whole text, but in Romans 1, starting in verse 18, it talks about the wrath of God revealed from heaven against ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Again, it's suppressing the truth and righteousness when people put out there's too many people in the world, mankind's a plague, and Mother Earth is superior to men created in the image and likeness of God Almighty. That's a complete lie. It's not true. I mean, have you ever flown over America? There's all kinds of land where people go, you ever fly over California? You ever drive to Fresno? For goodness sakes, it's just an untruth. It's not true at all. I guess that's a little bit of a rant. But notice there in verse 22, professing to be wise, because the people that put out this narrative think they're so learned and they think they're so wise. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. So in other words, instead of worshiping God Almighty, they worship the creation and it's all the same whether you're worshiping other people and humanism worshiping the world itself or worshiping the beast of the field that we have been called to have dominion over here 
on earth. Now listen, again, this isn't a call to be a bad steward of the earth. Absolutely, it's not a call to be cruel to animals. I mean, the Bible speaks against that, that a, that a uh, wicked man is cruel to his animals and so forth. It's not a call to that as well, at, at all. But it is a call for us to worship the Lord in taking charge and having dominion over the world. And the funny thing is, the people that really put this forth, <laughs> it, you, you got to know here tonight, it's, it's, are you ready for this? It's actually a lie. <laughs> this whole green agenda and all this stuff, it's lies built on lies built on lies to put fear upon people to try to control them and so forth because even their solutions are so foolish and don't even make sense. They just don't. Ask, go ask Texas with this last, you know, freeze that, hap- that came through. What happened to their, you know, wind deals and so forth. And listen, have you ever wondered what happens to solar panels when they run out their life? How long it takes for them to break down when they bury them in the earth and so forth. It, it, it's, it's very problematic. It absolutely is. And part of that is because it's a fallen world. But they get these ideas and these things, they push and so forth. And it's really lies meant to put fear in people and to try to control people uh, with narratives and being able to put in agendas that really are antichrist at the end of the day. And so, again, we, we see this happening. God wanted man to have dominion. So he says, go out and fill the earth. God wanted them to have children. Again, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. It's a glorious thing when babies are born. Is it not? Is there anything more glorious here on earth than a, than a baby that, you know, it is born into the world? And you see, I mean, it's, you talk about a miracle and so forth. Uh, it's just, I remember my kids were, I'm like, trip out on this. This is just, and you know, my wife, be walking around with that baby, like, you got a human being in you right now. This is like craziness and so forth, you know. So again, he wanted them to have dominion, go out and fill the earth, multiply, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But listen, even more so, and we've already alluded to it, God wanted men dependent upon him. He wanted a guy to get his wife and say, we're going and we're going to this uncharted territory. We're going to go fill the earth and we're going to step out of faith because God's called us to and we're going to be dependent upon the Lord. But again, this Nimrod came along, who we'll talk about here in a minute. He's from chapter 10 and he headed this up. He called men to come. No, don't do that. Don't listen to God. I'm your guy. If we all come over here and we all get together in a big kumbaya drum circle, everything's going to be all right. That sound familiar at all today? This push for humanism, this push for, again, there's nothing wrong with peaceful relations and so forth. But when it's sacrificed at peace with God and putting God first, listen, that's rank rebellion against the living God. Notice Acts 17, 26 through 27. We've looked at this many times. This is truth here tonight. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So again, you need to know tonight, and I've talked about many times, race is not a biblical word. Race is not even a scientific word when we're dealing with real science. There's one race, the human race. There's not different races that evolved at different times in the history of the world at different places here on this planet. And if that is the case, if that's how it really happened, then racism itself should be something that is completely promoted in everything else because evolution teaches survival of the fittest. (laughs) And this stuff doesn't even make sense. But that's not the case. That's a lie. God made, again, all of us from one blood. There's differences in skin tone because of more or less melatonin. That's what it is. Generally, as the product of where your ancestors eventually settle down. Darker skinned people closer to the equator. Lighter skinned people farther than the equator. Has to do with vitamin D and so forth. My daughter came to me the other day, and they're teaching her this nonsense uh, in her, I guess, science class that the reason my, why more minorities have died from COVID-19 in America is because they have less access to health care. That's a lie. The reason why is because if you're darker skin in the northern hem- hemisphere, you need more vitamin D. The sun's not bright enough. 
This almost all comes down to a vitamin D, vitamin D deficiency, this whole COVID thing. If you take vitamin D3, C, zinc, and quercetin, you're going to be fine. Wash your hands. Don't let anyone spit in your face. Some just basic things here. But none of that's been put forth because there's so many stinking lies out there. So again, he made from, from uh, one blood every nation for men to dwell again uh, on all the face of the earth. You see that there? On all the face of the earth. Verse 27. Why? Why does he want that? So that they should seek the Lord and hope they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Do you know tonight God's the one that birthed nations? Do you know that God endorses borders? That's a biblical thing. It's not to say that, again, a nation that's blessed should hoard their blessings and not look to be humanitarians and help others, especially Christian nations. They should be wanting to spread the gospel through that. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I know our, I know our nation gets, gets booed and torn down and all this stuff. But you look at the history of the world. There's been no nation in the history world that sent out as many missionaries and has done more humanitarian work in the name of Jesus Christ than the United States of America. There's no ifs, ands, or buts even about that. But God, again, set these borders up. Why? In hopes that men would grope for him versus men all coming together in one system saying, we don't need him. There was a congressman recently, I, I don't know the guy's name or anything, I just heard about it, who basically said, when it comes to them making legislation, God, they, they don't even bring God in the equation. Probably many of you guys heard that. We don't even think about God, we don't even consider God, we do what we want to do. Humanism and so forth. That's outside of God's heart and mind. Notice Psalm 27, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. God has called us to trust in Him. God set borders that nations, again, even in times of oppression, and boy, there's been a lot of nations that have been oppressed and depressed, and, and, and you know what, have, have gone through, tri- this, this, this nation's gone through many trials and so forth at different times and so forth, God, again, allowed that to keep men from coming together in a humanistic effort like in Babel 1.0 and would hope, again, and put them in that place in the hopes that where they are, even, listen, in, in a, an oppressed, depressed nation, that they would grow for God. And do you understand, even right now, and I've talked about this before in the world, the greatest revivals happening in the world are places that are in some of the, the, the most difficult places to live. Because what's going on is there's people that are groping for God. You look at the Middle East and those, those nations that are so anti-Christ. And there's so many people in those nations, they see the bankruptcy of Islam. They see that, they've come to the point, so many of them, we don't want this, there has to be something more than this groping for the living God and there are so many I mean so many testimonies of 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 Muslims there in the Middle East having dreams and visions of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to them and telling them where to go to hear the gospel it's almost always the pattern and as a result in Iran and many of these nations there's some of the biggest revivals happening with next to no missionaries being there at all boy God can do anything he wants right at any time and those people are groping for God there, groping for him. Boy, I, I pray in our nation there would be a move where we begin to grope for him. Because I look around, I see most people groping for sin, not groping for him. Groping for their next entertainment, their next, you know, smartphone upgrade, the next video system, you know, the next Marvel movie, the next football season. And listen, th- those things can, can have a place in their proper order but when you're groping for them and making them your god it's it's part of the reason why there's just so many folks that just go along with you know what all the lies because as long as they have those things they're happy they've been conditioned for that they've been set up for that but oh i pray that there would be a groping for god i i believe you're here tonight because you're groping for the lord aren't you I mean, we could be anywhere here tonight. There, there, there's so many things to do. Now the things are opening up. And you came here to worship the Lord. 
And I pray that we'll have more and more of a hunger and a groping for God Almighty. Because I'll tell you, if you draw near to God and you grope for Him, you won't be disappointed. He'll draw near to you and He'll pour out within you and upon you the work of the Spirit of God. Now notice verse 1. <laughs> verse 1 here. <laughs> We're setting it up though. Now, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. The word language here, it, it really it's a word uh, that's related in the Hebrew to unity. So they were come and they were unified, and then one speech would be uh, one language or one dialect and so forth. They all spoke the same language. Again, this is about 100 years after the flood. Now, already, though, people groups were beginning to be formed. The sons of Japheth, the sons of Ham, the sons of Shem, Noah's sons, began to have children. And amongst their children, men began to get raised up that nations came from. In fact... Chapter 10 of Genesis really is called the Table of Nations. And you can trace most of the nations in the world today back to this Table of Nations found here in Genesis. Descendants, again, of Noah's three sons. The problem was, again, people groups begin to form. And you could say almost tribes kind of begin to form. But the problem was, is they weren't scattering. And it's very interesting, you read that table of nations, and again, we get the account of how they were scattered here, but we, we read about them having to be scattered in the previous chapter. Notice Genesis 10, verse 5. This is talking about the sons of Japheth. It says, from these, the coastland peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands. They were separated. They didn't go willfully. They had to be separated. And then Genesis 10, starting in 15, well, actually before this, it's talking about Ham's line, and it comes to Canaan, one of his descendants, and it says, it goes through a bunch of names here, which I'm not going to read here tonight, but it says, afterwards, the family of the Canaanites were what? They were dispersed. And then you even come here to uh, the, the children of Shem, and it goes through all these names, and again, and so forth, and it says, um, in verse uh, 25, to Eber were born two sons, the name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided up. Again, the Lord had to scatter them. The Lord had to disperse them. The Lord had to separate them. The Lord had to divide them up. Because again, they had all come together. They came together in rebellion against God. They came together and they said, listen, we're not going to go out and trust in the Lord. We'll, we'll come here together and we'll have one economy. We'll have one government and even one religion. This is rank rebellion against God Almighty. When men come together and say, we're all going to get together, we're going to fix it, and they push God out, that's rebellion against God Almighty. It absolutely is. And we know that we are right on the cusp of this fully coming to fruition. Again, we've talked about it a lot, but I'll refer you back here to Revelation 13. And this speaks again of the time of the Great Tribulation, but I want to point out in this, because oftentimes they'll say there's going to be one government, one religion, uh, and, and one economy. And, and you see it all right here. Notice Revelation 11, or excuse me, 13, 11. He says, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth who had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all authority over the first beast in his presence and caused the earth and those who dwell in it, notice here, to worship the first beast. All on the earth, we're going to worship the first beast. So this false prophet says, everyone needs to worship the Antichrist. That's a one world religion. And if you go down a little farther, it talks about an image made. And it says in verse, uh, the end of verse 15, and as many who would not worship the image of the beast would be killed. And so, um, again, it refers again to the one world religion, but for anyone in the world not to worship the beast to be killed that's alluding to a one world government because the sword's given to the government and so if anyone in the world doesn't worship the beast you're killed that's a unified one world government all in agreeing you don't worship the beast we're gonna kill you and then it talks about the mark of the beast in verse 17 and it says um, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of the name, and it goes and talks about that 666. So again, it's the world coming together, and we're rapidly headed towards this one world 
religious push, which, listen, it will include many people who say they are Christians. There's many so-called Christians that are pushing for this right now. Going over to Rome and meeting with the Pope over there, who again is embracing all the world religions and so forth. Been going on for many time, many a long, long time and so forth. We need to come together. You look at things like, uh, you know, Rick Warren who wrote the Purpose Driven Life, which unfortunately probably ninety percent of evangelical churches in America went through, when none of them should have touched it with a ten foot pole. You're like, I read that book. Does that mean I'm evil? No. It, it, it means that you didn't have a pastor at the time who wouldn't go up there and point out that it's full of quotes from New Agers and has a false gospel in it. It preaches contemplative prayer. It says God's everywhere and everything. It is a rank book full of heresy. But this man, it, you know what? He he burst on the. You know what? He burst into great popularity. I know a long time he said it's the most selling. It's the best selling book in the history of the world. That's a lie too. It ain't even close to Pilgrim's Progress or the Bible. Praise God for that. Another lie. But he started to push something called Krishlam. And a society of Christianity and Islam coming together. And he'd say the purpose-driven life, it works for Islam. And get together. And on one hand, he would say things that sound kind of scriptural. But on the other hand, he'd give these other groups. And it's all kumbaya. In fact, he has something called the peace plan. If we all come together with a three-legged stool of, of businessmen of uh religious folks and what was the other sector i can't remember you know what uh one other sector i can't remember it right now if we all come together we can defeat all the world's problems called his, his peace plan it had nothing about spreading the gospel of jesus christ what's it sound like does it sound not like babel 1.0 1.0 will come together and so you see this push for one religion we're rapidly heading towards one government i mean this whole past year this uh, you know, a pandemic and all of this, absolutely. And look, at they're not even hiding it. They're calling it the Great Reset. They're calling it a do-over. They're saying we all got to come together to be able to defeat these things and so forth. And also a push towards a one-world economy. Many believe that, again, fiat currency is going to collapse at any time and it's going to usher in a digital currency, which is probably going to set the table for eventually this mark of the beast. And I'm not a, look at, if you follow the news or anything, you see these things happening. This ain't Pastor Steve up here with some tinfoil hat on. Open up your eyes. All this is happening. And then on top of that, there's no language barrier at all anymore. There really isn't. Um, you know, there's a great push even in these phones we carry around and so forth. The, the technology is getting so advanced. Uh, I mean, they are getting so good with, with the ability to translate where you speak in your phone and it perfectly comes out in the language of the individual that you're talking with. I got a little article for you there in the notes. Uh, it's called uh, Translate This, Google's Quest to End the Language Barrier. There's a paragraph out of it that just talks about the technology already being here for this um now listen the breaking the the language thing the breaking down of language barrier it can actually be used for great good and spreading the gospel because we do know an end times prophecy is the gospel will be preached in all the world and so praise god there is good coming out of that but unfortunately this is babel 2.0 and for the most part Again, all of these things are being used in a rebellion against God Almighty. Let's come together. We don't need God. We don't consider God and passing our laws and so forth. In fact, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you're just an idiot. And you know what? You're about the worst people on the face of the earth because you're resisting uh, our plan and our agenda. Now, you got to understand in verse 10, we read about the individual who headed up this rebellion in, in, in chapter 11, we read about it in chapter 10. I think it's in verse 10, but chapter 10. And notice verse 8, it says, Cush, and these are descendants of, of Canaan and uh, Ham. And remember, Ham's the one that he, he caught, he found his father after he had been drinking. He got off the ark and the grapes fermented and, listen, Noah got lit up. The world was a lot different than before the flood. 
it was way different afterwards. And Noah, Noah, listen, he without sin cast the first stone, right? Praise God for forgiveness. Noah got lit up. He was drunk. It says that he was, he was naked and, and Ham came in and saw him. There's other things that seem to be alluded that happened perhaps with his grandson there. Some speculations that it was more than what, you know, what it, it, it's kind of alluded to in the original language. I'm not, not even going to get into that. But instead of going in and just covering his father's nakedness, don't you appreciate it when you fall in sin and a brother comes along and wants to help cover up that sin? And how do you do that? You take your brother to the Lord, right? And say, let's pray about this. I, I, and, and comes along your side versus wanting to expose someone's, you know, it's sin in the sense of, of, you know, I'm not talking about false teaching like we just referred to, you know, with a Rick Warren, but it, a brother just struggling with something, a sister struggling with something. And, and Ham didn't do that. And in fact, he called his two brothers, hey, come check out the old man. He's drunk in here and, and he's, he's running, stumbling around naked or whatnot. And it says the other two brothers, and I love this, this is who we should be, walked in backwards with a blanket and covered their father. And what a picture of the shed blood of, of the lamb. But this line was a rebellious line. And eventually it'd be the Canaanites who again would worship Moloch and offer their children up to demons and would practice rank idolatry and sexual sin. And eventually God would raise up the nation of Israel in part to even judge them and, and to you know, bring a judgment against them. But notice here, this is out of the line of Ham and Canaan. Uh, it says, Cush begot Nimrod, and he became a mighty, a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, as it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And at the beginning of his kingdom was what? It was Babel. And then it goes on, other kingdoms that he established um, in the land of Shinar, probably after Babel fell down, and eventually he even established the city of Nineveh that's prominent in Scripture. You know, we know Noah ran off, uh, ran away from Nineveh, and we read about a revival there, and again, it was another pagan place. But Nimrod is the one that, again, headed this up. It's interesting, Nimrod's name means let us rebel. And absolutely, he lived up to his name. Um, I referred a few Sundays ago against that book, that book, Alexander Hyssop's The Two Babylons. And it goes into great detail about Nimrod. And again, it's similar to what we're talking about tonight. Babel 1.0, Babel 2.0, and so forth. Um, now, you've got to understand what was going on here. Again, it's about 100 years after the flood. God tells men to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And, but, but the world had, had changed drastically. It seems that before the flood, men, men didn't even eat beasts of the field. It seems that before the flood, they were, they were vegetarians and so forth. Um, they, it seemed like there was a lot more harmony between men and beasts. After the flood, it wasn't the case. After the flood, you know what? Beasts began to multiply rapidly themselves, and beasts are meat eaters. And beasts were looking for a good meal. And some dude walking around looked like it could be a good meal. You got to understand as well, the world had just, you know what, came out of a worldwide flood. And it's one thing to go out into the world that hasn't just been flooded, but listen, a flood can be destructive and so forth. This is a tall task to go out and explore, to, to explore and so forth. And so this Nimrod came along who was a mighty hunter, and he had the ability to defeat large game and basically to offer protection. He's the mighty hunter. I can defeat these beasts and so forth. You come to me and I, I'll, I'll protect you and so forth. Um, he hunted beasts with a bow, but you got to understand, as it says he was a mighty hunter, this is also alluding to him being a hunter of men's souls. And it's interesting, the way he hunted men's souls was with a different bow. Again, he offered them a covenant. He offered them peace. Hey, don't listen to God. Don't go out there. Don't take a step of faith. It ain't going to work out for you. I can come and you come under me and we can enter into a covenant together and I'll keep you and I can protect you. And again, this led mankind for the most part, with a few you know, exceptions we know of historically, to come together on this plane of Shinar 
And I'll, I'll, you know, we'll read this in a second, saying, come, let us build ourselves a city whose tower top is in the heavens, and let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the face of all the earth. And this character here, again, he's a foreshadow of the Antichrist, who we talk so much about in our study in Daniel, because he's going to come along in a time of great calamity that's already... Listen, this world already is, is in so many ways out of control. Again, times of uncertainty and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's, there's people that their hearts are failing them. There, there, there's overdoses and suicides and things sadly just seem to be skyrocketing because people are just overwhelmed with what's going on in the earth. And there's so many things, you know, that are put out. This is what's going to come next and so forth. Um, we, we read about a war that at some point is going to happen, uh, you know, with, with Russia and Iran and these nations coming down to Israel and so forth. And, and you know what, you, you put in a, a, a pre-tribulation rapture in this, um, again, which I, I definitely lean towards. And this world is going to be spun out of control. And we read about this man coming on the scene, much like Nimrod as a hunter of men's souls and offering a peace treaty. And again, we talked about it in great detail. This peace treaty he's going to bring to the Middle East between Israel and her neighbors. And then we look at Revelation 6.1. Again, the first seal, it's really a kickoff of the tribulation. It says, I saw the lamb open one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he was sad it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. And listen, this isn't a picture of him conquering militarily. We know again from Daniel chapter 9 and many other places, he's going to conquer and offering peace. The world is going to be spinning out of control and this guy's going to come on the scene. And again, we looked at him in great detail in our study in Daniel. And he's going to seem to have all the answers. He's going to say, you don't need God. You come to me. And he's going to seem to have so many answers to so many things. But right after he gets, you know what, going, we read that, a, that, that right off the bat, this guy is going to start having issues because the next seal is broken. And it says God takes peace from the earth and men begin to kill each other. And then the next seal is broken and we read about this worldwide famine that comes. And a next seal's broken, and we read about, you know, wars breaking out, and great massive numbers of the population begin to get killed. And, that, that, and that's the light stuff in the book of Revelation. That, that's the, the light stuff. First Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5.1 says, But concerning the times and seasons, brothers, I have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, and this is talking about the rapture, so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Sudden destruction comes right after this guy comes. And you know where that comes from? That comes from heaven. That comes from Jesus Christ saying, listen, you want a world without God? Then this is what it's going to look like. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Notice, but you, brethren, are of the darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Is that not good news? And see, just as Nimrod lost... Antichrist is going to lose. And you know who wins? Jesus and his followers. So again, he was a hunter of souls. Jesus, though, is a savior of souls. And it's why we need to be preaching the gospel more than ever in this day that, that we are living in. Now notice verse 2, and we'll pick up the pace, Lord willing, a bit. It says, they came, And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And it's interesting how much rebellion in the scripture is associated with the east. Now they came from the east here, but they came with the rebellion from the east. And it's interesting, you know, when Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden, it was to the east. And then when Cain was driven out, he went to the east. And in Ezekiel, when it talks about those in the temple, uh, you know, what rebellion against God, it says, with their backs towards the temple of the Lord with their faces towards the east. And Isaiah 2, 6, it says, You have forsaken your people because of the house of Jacob, because they're filled with the eastern ways. 
And it's not to say that there aren't believers in the East, and there's some great moves of God in the East. Man, China, I mean, there's, there's, there's more real Christians in China than America today. It ain't, it ain't even close. And it's coming in the midst of great persecution when if you're going to be a Christian, you're either going to be a real Christian or you're not. It's none of this nonsense, you know, a Joel Steve, my best life ever now. No, if you're going to be a little Christian, you're going to be persecuted. But you know where you're going and you got the Holy Spirit and you got the joy of the Lord. And you got, you know what, you, you got a relationship with the living God Almighty. But in these days we're living in, we see stuff from the east flooding into this place. Again, so, so much of it is rebellion against God. And again, that's what's happening today. It, it's really eastern things which... Again, not dependent on everyone in the East, in many ways is kind of an expression of, of witchcraft and rebellion that, that was in the East and more highlighting that. And I don't got time to read it, but on Isaiah 24, 1 through 6, it speaks about the end of the age. And it's really interesting. It speaks about mankind being a haughty people. And then notice there in verse 5, I have it underground, underlined in your notes. It says, because their hearts have transgressed the laws changed the ordinances, and broken the everlasting covenant. And this is speaking about mankind at the end of the age. And see, God gave original ordinances, and you read about them early in Genesis, and all of those are trying to be changed by mankind. The scripture says from the beginning, Jesus said, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father or mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And what do we read there? First of all, we read about creation, not evolution, which is utter nonsense. I mean, it's just idiotic to the highest degree. It makes no sense. There's no science behind it whatsoever. I, I'll go on a rant, but I, I got to stay focused here. But one man, one woman, we see gender there, right? No, oh, Adam got born in the wrong body. No, you know, and then they call that science, right? It's science. He was, he was born in the wrong body. Should have been a she. What is this stuff? These scientists, you know, we, you know, we follow the science. How, you've heard that? These people saying we come from apes. They're the, they're the ones setting the science. Don't even get me started on the mask that I'll write on the box. A real scientist says it won't stop a coronavirus right on the, right on the side of it. A real science. And the six-foot thing, supposedly it came from some high school student who wrote some paper on something. Ain't no science behind that either. So a man and a woman. But we see rebellion against that today, do we not? Holy matrimony, a man and a woman. We see rebellion against that. Homosexual marriage. Listen, in the history of mankind, whenever cultures embrace homosexual marriage, judgment comes right soon after that. Please go read your history books. Read your Bibles. Judgment comes right after that. Again, be fruitful and multiply. What do we see today? Abortion. Let's destroy and so forth. Um, The preservation of the family back then and today. So many groups wanting to destroy the family. Listen, Black Lives Matter's main agenda is to destroy the family unit. It is completely antichrist and satanic. Founded by witches and mar- trains, trained Marxists to try to destroy the family unit. They don't care about black people on top of that. They don't. And that goes against, listen, I know so, I know so many people, that goes against the morals about just every, every, every black person that I'm friend with, friends with. And you're like, well, you're a Christian. That's real. Well, maybe, maybe so. But that, that goes against even the morals of most of the inner city and so forth. They don't buy that stuff now the family there is under assault because again of people high ups trying to destroy the inner city make no mistake about that and if you don't think there's any racial stuff in that you're fooling yourself because there's been so many things introduced to the inner city to try to destroy her including rap music itself which again most of you guys know i used to be a christian rapper but it was brought in to bring a mentality to try to destroy the inner city drugs brought in by the cia and so forth Again, I ain't tinfoil hatting it here. Go read your history books and so forth. Efforts made to do that. It wasn't always that way in the black community in the history of our world, uh, in the history of our nation. Efforts to do that and so forth. But again, there's an assault on the family unit. Absolutely there is. And, and again, it's, it's all families. It's white families. It's brown families. It's black families. Asian families. All of it. 
this effort to try to destroy. Because listen, when people are raised with, with, a, with a typical family unit, there's a lot of, there, there, there's, it's God's design. And generally, again, a father and mother are going to nurture a child better together. Generally, it's more moral. There's, there's more oversight and so forth. And, and all this push today for, for this stuff that falls out of, of, of you know, biblical lines, it's, it's, again, it's an effort to try to destroy. There's something called the Communist Manifesto written in, in the early 1900s. And there's about 50 things on this. And they said, if we can get these things brought into America, we can destroy America. And one of the big things on there was a push for pornography. Hugh Hefner was a CIA agent, just so you know. And Playboy magazine is one of the things that has destroyed this country. Because when men start getting fixated on pornography, guess what? They begin to cheat on their wives. They begin to abandon their children. The family unit begins to fall apart. And you got a weak people who won't stand up for truth. Their immoral people are the easiest to control in the world. And it's one of the problems we got with this nation. You need to know that the Bible says an adulteress reduces a man to a piece of crust. And if you're a man struggling with that, get that in your mind. And understand you're being subjected and, and you're opening the doors for, for demonic attack. And you're, you, whether you know it or not, are subjecting yourself to the influence of the world and, and of the enemy in an effort to try to destroy you, your family, and this nation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's truth. We also see today, again, worship the earth as we talked about. Um, and, and even, again, it says they changed, they broke the everlasting covenant. And what was that? And the original ordinances, man sinned, and what did God do? He made a sacrifice for man, and he covered man and, and his wife with those garments and pointed them to Christ. And that's all attack today. I mean, again, so many people, if you're a Christian, you're just a bigot, you're narrow-minded, and so forth. No, I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ unashamedly. There's only one way for forgiveness and salvation. It is through Jesus Christ. And there's no other provisions. That's the truth. But these things are under assault. So again, they come and they find this place in Shinar for several reasons. Listen, the climate at that time was perfect. It was very much like California. And it was also in the place where most believe the Garden of Eden was. The Tigris-Euphrates Valley, where man uh, first rebelled against God. And many believe they settled there to reenact Adam's rebellion and declare that they were gods. Because when Adam made of that tree, he said, I'm God, I'm God, I'm going to eat of that tree. I don't need you, God. I believe this serpent, I'm going to eat this tree and I'm going to be my own God. And listen, that lie has gone nowhere today, or has not gone away to this day. And again, to defy God really, it seems in the, perhaps the name of Cain, because Nimrod was a Descender, descendant, again, really, of, of, uh, of Ham, who seems to be so lined up with Cain's action, Adam's brother. Now, quickly, and oh, man, we might, we might have to two-part this. Verse 3, it says, Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stones, and they had asphalt for mortar. And notice, and again, you can look at some of this stuff in your notes. It says, They said, not he said. We ain't going to listen to him. You got to know as well, this was cutting ed, edge technology right there. We're going to make our own bricks and so forth and some asphalt. And, uh, you know, let's get together and do this. And verse 4 says, and then they said, again, they're shunning God's word and what God, God said, be fruitful and multiply, go fill the earth. No, we don't want that. We don't need God's word. And there's that church recently, Grace Point Church, like change your name down in, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. They've decided God's word's not God's word. That's none of it's inspired. But we're a church. You ain't no church. You're not preaching the gospel there. They're like, we're, we're just going to go with progressive ideology. Total lies. And a lot of your favorite country singers go there. Please Google it. Next time you're singing along, Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? American Idol, all that, you know. So they said, come again, let us build ourselves a, a city. Not unto God, but what? Unto self. Whose tower top is in the heavens. Again, 
why, why in the heavens a tower top? Most believe to fight against God, assemble to withstand a flood or the judgment of God, a monument unto men, but even more so, listen, to get up high to worship not God, but the sun, the moon, the stars, the host of heaven. Nimrod knew that people are religious. Atheism will have no place in Antichrist's kingdom. Most people are not atheists. Most people can recognize that God made, a God made these things. Now God shows these things and hope that they would come to the real God. But men have, again, it's in them, it's in our DNA to be worshipers, just so you know that. And when you're worshiping God, you are fulfilling the ultimate thing you were created to do. Babel would become, again, known as the gate of the gods. And it's interesting, after Nimrod would get slain, he would be associated with the sun god. We talked about this recently in Acts 17. His wife, Semiramis, would be associated again with the queen of heaven. And she would have a son named Tammuz, who she taught was Nimrod reincarnated, putting forth a false gospel. She would become, again, the queen of heaven. And we saw in Acts 17, worshipped in all of the world. Why? Because when they were scattered, they took this cultic teaching to all parts of the world. In just about every ancient culture, you see what are they doing? Worshipping the queen of heaven. And it's interesting, I don't have time to read it. Revelation 17 talks about the great mother of harlots that came out of Babylon. Where from? Babel 1.0. Worship of everything but God Almighty. And it's interesting, she's going to ride the beast, and the beast is going to use this false religion to fool the world. But towards the middle of the end of the tribulation, it says the beast is going to turn on her and devour her. You know who will never do that to you? The Lord Jesus Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior. Again, we're headed rapidly towards this. <laughs> and then they said, let's make a name for ourselves. Listen, we're not called to make a name for ourselves. Hear this tonight. If you're going to seek to exalt yourself, bad things are going to come out of it every single time. If you seek to exalt the Lord, good is going to come out of that. Every single time. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. Again, these men, though, wanted to make a name for themselves. Boy, if, if we could just listen in everything that you do, Think about the things that you do and think about the things that perhaps you get tempted to make a name for yourself in and you get some glory from men in. To make your aim to say, look at, I want to go and glorify God in this. I want to lift up the name of Jesus. Things will go so much better because everywhere in Scripture where men exalt themselves, it ends in things coming and falling down <laughs> and things getting scattered. But at every turn, when we make it our aim to lift up the name of Jesus, in due time, God exalts and he absolutely brings blessing. And then ultimately notice here, let's do all this lest we be scattered. Let's do this out of rebellion. Now notice verse 5, it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the Son of Men had built. And I put on my notes, but the Lord, it's probably the three greatest words in the Bible. <laughs> Again, we're sinners ourselves, separated from God, but the Lord, Jesus, came down and died for our sins and rose from the grave. And I tell you, if you don't know him, and outside of that time that he came down to die for our, our sins, most of the time when it talks about the Lord coming down like this is associated with judgment. Adam in the garden, the Lord came down, Babel, Sodom, the second coming. But oh, praise God for the cross. Verse 6, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are all one and have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, no, listen to this. Now, nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. That's an amazing statement. 
as we are in a place where there is this push for something called singularity. I read an article the other day, this group that believes in the near future, they're going to be able to take your thoughts and your memories and everything in your mind and download it and be able to put that and upload it into something else. Whether it is some clone body or it's some robot or something, as men are striving to try to achieve immortality here on earth. You got to understand most of these leading companies, your Googles, your Zuckerbergs, all these guys, they're, they're, they believe they can achieve singularity and obtain eternal life. Again, th- this, this is not two weirdos in some garage. This is, this is a push globally for this. And the world's been, been set up for it because you go back even 34 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, start looking at all the TV shows and all the movies that just push all this. It's setting the world up for it. I, I personally believe at this point that the mark of the beast will probably be altering your DNA to the point where you say, I'm going to be made in the image of the beast, and it's going to bring some sort of singularity. And it will, it, it will be an act of rebellion against God. And people say, oh, no, that's crazy. That's science fiction. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God says, now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. It ain't science fiction. This stuff's coming about rapidly. Man is not God, but he was created in the image and likeness of God. Verse 7, come, let us go down. Trinity siding here. God speaking, come, let us go down. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, singular but one. And they're confused their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Again, God would go down to do this so that they would scatter what in hopes they would grope for them and to restrain their sin you know what's interesting and we've talked about it in the great tribulation it says that the restrainer will be removed and then the lawless one will come on the scene there is so much evil that gets restrained in the world today because god is withholding or holding things back and and it's still crazy and out of control god restrained them and babel 2.0 god's going to pull off the restraints and he said, you want a world without God? You want a world without strengths? Here you go. And it says when that second seal breaks, peace is taken from the earth, and men take swords. And again, it's a reference to weaponry, and they begin to kill one another. So now when you're in the store and you're having some beef with someone over some nonsense or someone comes up you know, with, with, you know, with some attitude, it ain't just a picture of them barking at each other. It's like, I'm going to kill you right now for that. And there's already a lot of that in the world today, but it's going to explode because of man's rebellion against God. And God's going to say, I'm going to give you over to it then. You want to worship the creation? You all want to come together for a kumbaya circle without without me? You want to say peace and safety because you got the new Nimrod? Fine, I'm going to give you over to it. But you need to know that with it, again, comes a world that wants to push out God, and a God who's a judge that's going to be start to bring wrath on this earth to draw a line in the sand that, that would bring men to repent or to rebel, and eventually, as we talked about, to bring all Israel into salvation. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Again, their pride and rebellion was their downfall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen: pride goes before destruction. You look at this, though, listen, God was incredibly gracious with them. He was incredibly gracious. He could have toppled that whole thing down on their heads. But he was very gracious. Babel 2.0, when he comes back, it's not going to end like this. The nations are going to gather to make war against the Lord. And we've looked at so many accounts. You know what, in our study in Daniel, the Lord's going to come down. In Revelation, it says... That in that valley of Armageddon, the blood will be as high as the horse's bridle. Listen to this. This is Zechariah 14. And this, this is in line with, again, the Lord coming and at Babel 2.0 at the end of that seven years, judging these nations and, and, and putting it into it and ushering the millennial reign of Christ. Listen to this, Zechariah 14.12. 
uh, and this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike the people who fight against Jerusalem. Their flesh will dissolve by standing on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. Kind of sounds like a nuclear bomb, does it not? And so again, he scattered them over the face of the earth. Why? To go take dominion and in hopes they would grow up for him. And in verse 9 it says, Therefore its name is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So listen, really he put a barrier that was greater than a wall or a mountain or an ocean. It was a language barrier. Can you imagine this happen? All of a sudden, uh, you know, a group starts speaking Chinese or, or, or an Asian dialect. And now some, some group starts speaking in some, you know, I'm probably, there's probably languages that came out of these and I'm got all wrong or whatever. But, you know, I mean, you ever run into, you have, talk to someone that they don't know a stitch of English and you don't know a stitch of their language? Listen, I grew up in the Bay Area. It's like the United Nations. It's glorious in many ways. I mean, it's so ethnic, ethnic. Ethnistic. I I loved it. But you run into people like speaking languages, you don't even know what they're talking. And it's just, it's hard to communicate. And so the Lord put a barrier again where, again, okay, I got to find people that I can understand right now. And, And obviously there was a push. You know what's cool though? Pentecost is kind of a, it was kind of a reversal of Babel because all these Jews that had been scattered gathered together on Jerusalem and God poured out the Holy Ghost and the church was birthed and they began to glorify God in other tongues and the languages they could understand. And it's also kind of cool, we were looking at, and I'm, I'm going to close here secondly in a second. Remember in Daniel when we read about Greece and that nation coming and become the superpower of the world? When the Romans came, listen, the Greek language was still there. And we alluded to it. Why, why, why did the, one of the reasons God allowed that to happen and, and that Greek language to take over most of the world? Because it got the gospel out. Because we haven't read one time in Acts where Paul needed a translator, have we? Praise God, this is how things are going to be in glory. In Ver- Revelation 5, 9, it's, it's a, a picture of glory. And Christians there, and it says, You are worthy to take the scroll open its seals. You were slain. You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe. Notice here, tongue, people, and nations, and made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. That's what's coming after this nonsense here. Every tribe and tongue. Father, we thank you. We praise you, God. Lord, so much here, God. I, I just hope and pray you've been glorified, Lord. I hope and pray we've had some Lord, exhortations, and God, our eyes open up more, God, to what happened and what's happening and what's going to happen. And I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, the believer, we need not fear. I pray in this, God, we'd be more equipped, we'd be more stirred, God, to share Jesus, to pray for folks, to be about your business. And God, I hope tonight, God, again, we're encouraged in you because we're seeing what happened and we saw how it ended. We're seeing what's happening and we know how it's going to end. And praise God, there's victory in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't called on him, the word of God says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Ask Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior. He will meet you where you're at. Turn from your way and be in your own God and trust in Christ. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, bless the rest of our evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. God bless you.